0: And, you know, and seeing the Eiffel Tower, which looks kind of phallic symbol. Do you
1: know what? There are a lot of phallic symbols in Paris. There really are. There really are. They don't call it,
0: you know, the love
1: city or nothing. Okay. I was like, where are you going with this? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What do they call it? H-U-R-S-D-A-Y. Hey, I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer folks finally use that winner's gift certificate to buy the ill-fitting suit that will see you in court. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic queer guest on to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. I hope you had a great week. Yesterday was a true horror show of April Snow, and I've already wiped it from my memory. If you bring it up to me, I will deny that it ever happened, quite frankly. So this is the last we're going to speak of it. First, I want to say a huge thank you to CBC Podcast's Chosen Family and co-host Trana Wintour, a special shout out, for the love this week. Tranna called You Made Me Queer, one of her favorite podcasts which is terribly sweet. I'm working really hard to make the best show that I can from a basement, which I will continue to bring up. So it really means a lot uh, to me that people are enjoying it. Thank you so much. Also, please check out Chosen Family. It is so good, and they just had on the world's most famous iceberg, Bo and Yang. So please check out their show. Also, you've likely heard the news that Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts related to the murder of George Floyd. This is so important, such uh, a relief, especially during such a difficult time. But after so much struggle, the successful criminal prosecution against a murderer can feel like justice, but it's not. It's accountability, and it's what should have happened from day one. Justice would be George Floyd being alive, and a system of law enforcement that is, you know, enforcing laws instead of shuffling around trying to reclaim their eighth-grade playground street cred. You were just tall and had pogs. You were never cool. Anyway, you might be thinking, why are you talking about this? I thought this was a queer comedy interview podcast, to which I would respond, did you just call me comedic? Thank you. Thank you so much. But in the words of eternal badass Audre Lorde, there is no such thing as a single issue struggle because we do not live single issue lives. So we have to be there for one another for things to change, especially as queer people who are already minority in ourselves. It's really important. So I want to draw attention to that on this program. Please go online wherever you are. Find a group who needs your support. Find somewhere to put some money. I know it's not a safe time to get together physically, but please find ways that you can help in your community. Also, you know me. I love a chance to get up on my soapbox, right? Get a little bit of attention for myself. I don't even need a reason. Try me. You give me a microphone, and I'll talk about frickin' Sanka for an entire afternoon, and not even blink. Now, on to today's show. Today is episode 12, and our guest is Bernard Dotson. If you follow us on Instagram, which is at YouMadeMeQueer, you may have already seen that Bernard is truly joy personified. I mean, that face, that smile, he is just... A dang light incredibly talented and so kind and in this interview he identifies himself as a proud black gay man and holy shit he should be he's something else but why don't you find that out for yourself hmm a little more about bernard bernard is originally from beautiful los angeles you may have heard of it and began his career performing the Walt Disney songbook all over the world and frequently on international television. Do you know Walt Disney? Do you know the big queer conspirator that is the late Walt Disney. Bernard has sung with the New York Philharmonic. He is a Broadway veteran, big time, having appeared in shows such as Finian's Rainbow, Chicago, Imaginary Friends starring Swoozie Kurtz and Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones, we love you. Swoozy Kurtz. Saying your name is like going on a field trip basically. And I will do it again and again. Swoozy Kurtz. Swoozy Kurtz. Uh, Bernard. Back to Bernard. Focus. God damn it. Bernard was also in The Sweet Smell of Success with John Lithgow and Brian Darcy James, Jesus Christ Superstar, and the Tony Award winning musical Ragtime. One of my all-time favorite musicals which i saw as a child and we're gonna talk about it in the interview bernard is also part of the as yet unofficial but soon to be broadway smash paradise square so look out for it in a covid-free world anyway blah 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 without further ado it's time to get to the main event please enjoy my conversation with the human electricity generator bernard dotson
0: Well, Toronto is actually one of my favorite places to be.
1: Is it? Go on.
0: Oh, yeah. I got to live there in 1996. I did ragtime there. So I got to live there for a year. Oh, God. And um, continue to go back and forth a great deal over the years. Like in the past, I would probably say past five or six years, going back a lot, working on the project Paradise Square. So that's been a ball. So I have a beautiful time in
1: there. Wow, you just dropped a lot of things I want to get to. But let's <laughs> okay. stick with Toronto for now. So what did you like about Toronto?
0: I love the people in Toronto. I love the... Joey's is one of my favorite restaurants.
1: By the Eaton (laughs) Centre. Yes. Nice. That
0: was the place I got to know the staff. I got (laughs) to hang out here a lot. Um... You know, I just had a really good time and I have some really great friends there. And, you know, I got an opportunity to meet your brother yes, through Kevin Dennis. Mm-hmm. And Matthew's music is amazing. So immediately after, you know, I heard him, I, I heard one of his songs and then I just started to buy all the collections of stuff that he was doing. So
1: sweet. Yes, he's very talented. You can talk about him on his own podcast. Thank you very much. So you mentioned <laughs> Kevin Dennis, who's a music theater performer as well, which is something you do because what show were you in Toronto doing? Right. Time. I was doing Red Time. That's right. But was Joey's there at that time? No, Joey's.
0: There was a whole different set of restaurants. Joey. I didn't get introduced to Joey until two thousand. I would say fifteen.
1: And you were here working on something else at that time. Yeah,
0: I was working on a show that was called Hard Times, which has changed to Paradise Square. Got it. Yeah. I became obsessed with that place.
1: With Joey's? Yes. Yeah, I know it as, I think I've been there once, and I think I ate some sort of truffle french fry situation. Oh, 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 Does that yes. sound right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. So, oh my God, there's so many places to go. Why don't we go to Ragtime first? Because Ragtime is one of my all-time favorite musicals. Awesome. You were in the original cast, right? I was in the original cast, yeah. Wow. It
0: was, it was, it was pretty great, because I went to an audition in, like, Los Angeles. I was still living there at the time and went to an open call and sort of got plucked from an open call to get called back again in Los Angeles. And then the producer said to me, if we call you to New York, you know that there is going to be a year commitment moving to Toronto. And I was like, great, perfect. Got the call back, went to New York, did the call back, came back to LA, couple days passed, got the phone call, you got the job. Um, in 1996, I moved to Toronto in August, September.
1: It's a good time. Summers in Toronto were gorgeous. Oh,
0: at Woody's. Oh.
1: <laughs> yes. I've been to Woody's once or twice. <laughs> I hung out.
0: It was so, so great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So great. Yeah. And we were at the Ford Center.
1: Yes, which was up north. In North York, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And because I knew that the weather was not going to be coming from Los Angeles, the weather was going to be great for me. And then the, and there was a snowstorm that happened that they said, Oh, it's the worst snowstorm in a hundred years. I was like, You've got to be kidding me because I moved from downtown Toronto. To North York, so I could be closer to the theater. Sure. What would normally take me fifteen minutes to walk, <laughs> this particular night, <laughs> <laughs> it was forty-five minutes no. because the snow was so bad. People were leaving their cars on the street, and the show started probably like at eight thirty that evening.
1: Oh it was my god! They had to delay it for everyone. Yeah, day. it was
0: insane. Yeah, because Brian Stokes Mitchell hadn't gotten there yet.
1: Oh my god! And yeah, he played a slightly important role in the musical. <sighs> Tiny bit, tiny tiny bit. bit. Brian Stokes Mitchell crush from one to ten. How high was it? Oh ten. Oh yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah,
0: I mean, he is the kindest, most talented, loving human being. And fortunately, I got an opportunity to meet him in 1990 in LA. Oh. Um, I was doing Jesus Christ Superstar, and he came to see the show. So. I got to meet him, and he was lovely then. And then finally, you know, we connected again in 1996 mm-hmm. with Ragtime. And he, Audra, Marin, and Peter, and all, that whole, entire cast, it was an extraordinary group of people. Oh I God. mean, it literally set the tone for how my life was going to be when I moved to New York City.
1: Honestly, I mean, did you know pretty much straight out of the gate, this is going to be a big deal? You
0: know what? I did not. I knew that there was, there was something going on because I had just seen um audra she won a tony that year Mm -hmm. for another show and i want to say that it was the zoe caldwell um a masterclass. okay and i you know i got into this room i felt like i always tell people that i was as green
1: as elphaba (laughs) that's a music theater reference for people (laughs) who aren't aware (laughs)
0: and i got into that room and there were 52 people Mm. now that's cast and then creatives was another you know th- 20 30 people
1: yeah that was a huge show
0: enormous it was enormous but i have to say that i i learned so much i learned um i learned a lot about myself yeah. i learned a lot about my abilities I just took it all in. I was just—I was such a complete sponge with all of these new entities being around me and just seeing these amazing professional people. It was—it was—it was was extraordinary.
1: Oh my God, yeah! And people who are already big names at the time, and then people who would go on to become big names, like Tiny Leah Michelle. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I lifted her on that train every night, eight (laughs) times a week.
1: Greatness (laughs) in your hands. Yes, she was nine
0: years old at the time. That is wild. So crazy. Were there other?
1: There was the little in 1902. That little New Rochelle kid. He was another child, right? Well, yes. There
0: was um, the and actually, Paul Dano hmm. was the little boy originally, and I don't know if you know. He's a huge actor now. Yeah. Um, American actors, tons of movies, um, and tons of awards. I'm sure at this point. Oh, but he was the little boy for us in Toronto, but ended up, you know, getting too big. Yeah. So wasn't it wasn't a little boy anymore after that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I bet you just cycle through those little boys pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: they were growing. They were growing pretty fast, and then voice changes and
1: stuff. That's the problem with child actors especially boys we've
0: gone through a few of them yeah ragtime was great because I always wanted to live in New York City and I never wanted to be in New York without a job and ragtime brought me
1: and like what a job in I remember seeing that as a child who was really into theater and film and just like the arts but seeing ragtime which I loved and my favorite character well of course Cole House who is Brian Stokes Mitchell my two crushes were split evenly between Cole House and and younger brother, is that his name? Yes. Stephen Sutcliffe. Yes. 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 <laughs> Hi, Stephen. Well, it's one of your own, and he's amazing. He's so amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just wonderful. And then I think I wanted to be, oh, God, what's her name? Maybe Evelyn Nesbitt, but also Emma Goldstein. Is that her name? <laughs> Goldman. Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman. Yeah. 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 Great. Strong women. Yeah.
0: They were strong women. Yeah. Very, very strong. Women. Incredible.
1: But I know, of course, you have a, a long, sparkling life post Rag Time. <laughs> and so I know you via friend of a friend through your work with Paradise Square, which that was all really cooking before COVID hit, huh? Yeah, I
0: mean, like, you know, we had actually, we finished a production at Berkeley Rep in 2019, mm-hmm. and we weren't exactly sure as to what was going to be happening or what our next steps were going to be. We did do a video in support of Black Lives Matter great. during COVID, which actually was to great response through um, CBS. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and, and it was beautifully done. And the producers of that, Garth Trevinsky, you know, took care of us and took care of all the people that were involved in the video. It was just, it was extraordinary. But yeah, it's it's sort of slowed the entire business down. Yeah. So we don't really have any idea as to what's going to be happening next. So, you know, we're sort of in, in limbo
1: right now. And it's weird because as a, an artist, you're often in limbo because you're kind of hopscotching between jobs anyway. But now, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to like bring back your pee- PTSD right now, but with the industry with so many question marks, I imagine it's quite an interesting time for you.
0: It, it really is. But, like, you know, I've gotten opportunities to do some readings and via Zoom and do some other singing stuff. And so via Zoom art, and it's just been a different way of working because being a musical theater person, you have the audience and you have that other character that exists in there, mm-hmm. out there. But now, you know, it's, it's so bizarre having to do this for an acting moment, you know,
1: super weird. Especially, th- I mean, and a lot of theater folks work in TV and films, so they know how to dial it down. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people who are used to playing to the third balcony, now playing to the little pinprick camera on your <laughs> laptop screen must be super weird.
0: Yeah, it's really bizarre. Because you figure out like, where do I look? Am I looking at you through the camera, or am I looking at you on my computer? That's so right. it's, just, it's trying to figure all of that stuff out. It's just, it's a challenge. It really is. It's a challenge.
1: And then, especially trying to. Get I mean something like this. We're communicating through Zoom and trying to get that energy and rapport. But are you lagged? And why aren't you laughing at my jokes? And oh my god, <laughs> I'm on mute. Like it's just so <laughs> weird.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's such a it's it's such a strange strange time.
1: Okay, so speaking of strange and weird transitions, maybe we should get to the reason why I've summoned you here today, Bernard. <laughs> so this show is called "You Made Me Queer," right? And of course, nowadays we know so much more about gender identity and orientation and things like that but even just mere decades ago it was like wandering through a dark forest where no one knew what was happening and then suddenly you used the pink crayon for too long and bam you turned queer. (laughs) So, what I want to do now is give you an opportunity a rare opportunity once and for all to set the record straight and blame who and or what made you queer.
0: Okay, first of all, I got my very first job working for the Disney company. They took me out of the country. I went to nine countries and 22 cities right. and I blame Paris. I blame <laughs> Belgium. The,
1: the, uh, the whole city of Paris uh, and the whole country of Belgium. No,
0: I actually blame just Brussels okay. because that's where we were.
1: Alright, let's focus this anger.
0: Okay, so... <sighs> In Paris, I would see and listen to like all of these this gorgeous, like this sound, these French people talking, and it was just really, really lovely. And I'd see men with beautiful lips, like eating cheese at little cafes and stuff, and all of a sudden, you know, I see a big long baguette and all of a sudden taking a bite into a baguette and I'm, like feeling like you know, it's like it's making my nature rise. What is happening? What is what is stirring inside of me? What's going on?
1: How old were you at this time? I was
0: twenty five.
1: Oh bless.
0: Yeah, so I was I was a late bloomer i was a complete late bloomer sure yeah i just and, you know i'm seeing the eiffel tower which looks kind of phallic symbol and do you
1: know what there are a lot of phallic symbols in paris there really are there really are they don't call it
0: you know the love city or not
1: okay i was like where are you going with this okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do they call it
1: <laughs> well you
0: know it's you know and it, it was I had a really good time there, but I was like, I, I just became a different person mm-hmm. and, you know, continued to travel along Europe. And Belgium and I met people in different countries because we were doing a show and like they would have these cocktail parties every night after the show so we'd have to meet these different people and you know I was just surrounded by beautiful gorgeous people speaking this language and, and you know it was a, a turn on it's like
1: what's happening to me <laughs> well was it really buried like did you what were you thinking at the time I,
0: it was buried mm. because I was like no you know we were church girls growing it's, up sure. so that was a whole nother thing and it Itself. Yeah. And so I know that when I finished that tour, I met a lot of people, a lot of great people, yeah. kissed a lot of people. I However, I was going
1: to say you keep using the <laughs> verb "I met." I'm like, what does that yes. mean? But go on. Well, I mean, it
0: doesn't it doesn't mean that I was giving up my my body? Yes, yes, <laughs> you know? yes. no, no. Lots no. of talking and lots of kissing, but I have to tell you that when I left. Because I was able to hover over the United States by being in, in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically speaking, I was able to see what my life was like. Well, when I got off that plane, I literally kicked that door open yes. and I was out and I was just like, there's nothing stopping me now. I'm just, I'm out. I am a, I'm a gay man.
1: Yeah, what a cool opportunity as an adult, especially because I think as a kid, you have that opportunity more if you go to camp or if, just do something where you're suddenly in a new environment and Mm -hmm. you can kind of experiment with yourself but as an adult it gets much harder to do but not as a performer i think because you're often whisked away
0: well you are and the thing is is that there are also like-minded people that exist Uh that are around you now you know i worked in business for a while before i became a performer and i was 25 when i actually started performing professionally so there was a whole stigma in the business world you know and i was very closeted Mm -hmm. and i had dated you know a couple of people but it was always on the down low and there was, it was very quiet about everything but having that opportunity to go to europe and actually seeing a melting pot of people and people just living their lives mm-hmm. you know gay straight whatever they were just living their lives and having a good time and i thought wow this this is how i should be this is what my life should be like so yeah, I actually can blame all all of Europe. You know
1: what? We don't want to miss anyone. We blame the continent. I just blame all of you over there. <laughs> I blame you and I say thank you. That's right. It's a supportive blame. What Disney show were you doing?
0: We were doing a show that was promoting Florida. They hired five guys and five girls. It
1: was like a tourism thing.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, basically. It was a, um, we were traveling around and we were sort of the ambassadors to the United States uh-huh. through Disney and British Airways was one of the sponsors. So they would put us on these like plush buses or if the country was close, they would put us on a bus and if the country was further away, they would put us in business class with British Airways, and so we always had the, like like their liaisons that were traveling with us, you know, in case we didn't speak the language. And it was for that to be my very first job in the business. It was it sort of was oof. oh my god! I was twenty five years old and I would never been out of the country, and it was it was incredible.
1: What an amazing opportunity! Uh, and as someone who has been to Florida many times, I'm interested in in what? Okay, you don't have to say what year the was, but do you remember the key selling points of Florida to the average European? Like, how did they try and win them over?
0: Well, I mean, I think Disney World was still newer. Yeah. It was new. So they were going on the Disney name, which, you know, holds. It's it's huge, and it's all over the world.
1: There was no Disney Paris at that point, was there? There wasn't. Euro Disney, whatever. Yeah, like. Euro
0: Disney, yeah, and I got an opportunity to go there, and it's oh. it was just sort of bizarre. You know, it was just a different thing. I worked at, also worked at Tokyo Disneyland Yes. for a couple of summers. All
1: right. Uh, I just moved back from Tokyo, but that's oh another God. story. Yeah, we got to talk about Tokyo at some point. Another one of my favorite places
0: to be. <laughs> oh, great. I loved it so much. It's
1: so great. Yeah, because when I think of Florida, I think of like IHOP. I think of mini golf. <laughs> I think I imagine these were not like the leading sales points. Disneyland is a stronger yeah. brand.
0: Yeah, Disney, Disney was, it was, a, it was a really big deal and like fly British Airways to Florida. So it was all encompassing. You know, and it was it was it was really, really great, fun time. And I still keep in touch with a lot of the people that were on the show.
1: Oh, my God. What an awesome opportunity. So yeah. Disney and Europe as a continent and sponsored by British Airways co-conspired. Yes. To, so we have three defendants right now to birth you into queerdom. They did. They just they just took me and I didn't even know
0: what was happening.
1: <laughs> now, when you got back, I mean, you said you got out of business real quick. But were you just like a bat out of hell or did other things or people have to kind of keep nudging you out?
0: No, it just. I think what what happened was the more and more I got involved with the uh, being in show business, mm. it just allowed me to free myself. It allowed me to free myself. Absolutely. And I I think it also allowed doors to open for me because I wasn't as closeted as I had been so there was a freedom.
1: And as a performer who is so, such a big part of the work is, you know, you have to be really flexible and malleable and have access to yourself and your emotions in order to create these characters so when you have something hidden inside of you that even you don't know about, I imagine that interferes with what you're capable of doing.
0: Oh, it truly, it does. It it interferes a great deal. And I did find that, you know, something were suffering not even when I wasn't in the business even affecting other things you know just my communication skills my you know Suppressing all of my feelings and um, sort of being like destructive on the inside mm. You know what the, the picture that you saw on the outside was completely different of what, what was going on on the inside and the inside was You know, it was it was it was being destroyed. Yeah, but getting that opportunity to just flourish and allow myself to be Authentically Bernard yeah was really really important. And so it just opened up my world And I you know, I've been I've been married now for so Seven years, but we've been together for over 21.
1: Oh, fantastic. i
0: 22 this year. Yeah, you know, I'm out to my family. Everybody's, you know, and it just got to a point where you're like, I'm going to be 60 years old. Why do I care about what people are thinking? It's crazy. Oh my
1: God. Especially after this year, it's like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Life is so short. Can't worry about it. You truly can't. So I'm guessing because you said it sounded like this, this trip it was your first job and you'd been kind of working in business did you go to theater school i did not you did
0: not i did not go to theater school
1: and that was my guess because i went to music theater school and there people were suspicious if you weren't queer mm. as a, a cis male person they were like but you must be gay right even the straight guys who <laughs> right, like really right. had to work to convince people so so yeah that was kind of my Euro, like my disney whistle stop tour was yeah, theater yeah, school basically yeah. But then when you got back, so you got into theater kind of through that. And then did you have any struggles with because one thing I think music theater has been famously guilty of in the past is the straight acting male archetype that is forced. So if you were queer, but you were straight acting Mm -hmm. as a male in theater school, people were really complimentary and you really had to be careful about looking femme or queer on stage.
0: Right, right. You know, I don't think I've ever had that problem. You know, it's like, you know, we have a a thing called code switching, Mm. you know, where if I'm articulate and speaking, quote unquote, proper English, as opposed to sort of um, maybe Mm ebonic-ish, if you will, Mm -hmm. for me not being able to think of the phrase right now, but... I have always, you know, I've been able to, you know, I'm a man, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's who I needed to be, you know. If I needed to be femme, then I need to be femme. But for the most part, I'm able to, to be who I am and still be a man. Does that does
1: that make sure. sense? Sure. So yeah. So it, nothing felt inauthentic for you. No, no. Because for me, it was I kind of had to come out twice. And like when I went to theater school, that was kind of my bigger coming out. I'd already started coming out a bit, but then theater school, and this is just the way I interpreted it. I really felt like people. I was a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and I felt like people wanted me to be quote-unquote masculine, whatever that means. Right. like, oh, yeah, I got to do that, yeah. And I don't want to be one of those, you know, queer people that can't play, like, a leading man on stage or something. And then finally, after a long time, I had to realize, like, I th- I think this has kind of repressed me again in a weird way. Mm, interesting. So I had to kind of work through that, yeah. Right,
0: interesting. Yeah, I just, I, I never ever felt, I mean, if anything, I probably would probably go more toward the quote unquote straight, mm. you know, four things. Mm. But after I got into the business, I was always honest about who I was, nice, you know, and what my preferences were, if you will, mm. and just never looked back. You know, it's just never looked back. I'm a I'm a, a black gay man who's very proud. You're here. of who he of who is, yeah. You know what I mean.
1: So I want let's dial back a bit because I'm wondering. I mean, I understand like the experience you had and sort of your awakening there, but. Did this blindside you, or had there been anything before in your life where you thought I might be different? No, I always thought
0: that I was ha- I had tendencies, of course, yeah, yeah, you know, I just never really acted upon them. okay. and if if it was a situation where I did act
1: upon it, then
0: the guilt ran rampant
1: because you were a church boy.
0: Oh, yeah, it just it it destroyed me. and I think it destroyed a part of me. And I know that, you know, I I almost got married.
1: To to a woman. A
0: woman. <laughs> what got what denomination
1: I, were you, Bernard?
0: I was I was non denominational. Okay. So we were like the Calvary Chapel Christian Church, oh. Born Again Christian Church. I grew up as an Episcopal, but then when I was able to sort of branch out, old enough to branch out on my own, you know, my, my parents were Baptists, okay. and I ended up, my sisters and I, and my brother, we were Episcopal, and then I branched out to the Calvary Chapel churches. Uh-huh. And I met someone there and, like, was engaged for, like, nine months. And then I, and then I realized, I was like, you know, what are you doing? you you can't you can't do this and it was it was destructive to her was destructive to me Uh lots of counseling you know that's
1: a hard one and again
0: all of this is still before i got into the business so
1: right but it's i mean you there's no other option presented to you there's no other possible reality especially at that time yeah so it's just like this is what you do definitely and we're talking you know i was
0: like in my teens and you know 22 years old you know at the time yeah you know It was it was destroying me. It was really destroying me. Uh And I, you know, when I finally made a decision to open that door and to leave it open, then that was when my life became different. Yeah. Like you could see an actual change. My shoulders dropped. My face was lighter. I was I was a lot more fun and free. You know, Uh I mean, I lost a lot of friends along the way just, you know, because of not saying anything. But it was okay. It was really okay.
1: You had to do it for you. Yeah, now, when you got back from that transformative experience in Europe, did people notice a difference in you? Oh definitely like aside from you. Okay, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, people did.
0: I mean people ask, you know, what is going on with you? You seemed like you and I said, you know, we've never talked about and like some of my closest friends who had tend to, had had thoughts about it, but we never really got into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I explained what my experience was, what what my love for who who I am now is, there was a great understanding about it. And I to you know, friends that I've had for like almost 40 years that are still with me and still loving and caring Mm -hmm. um, and supportive, they were all very, very much like, wow, that job, that singular job yeah. <laughs> worked for you. That worked for you. That was extraordinary. And they felt like I was the person that they could confide in, that they could just come in and and you could just tell me anything, mm-hmm. say anything to me, because I felt like I had been exposed to so much
1: more. Yeah,
0: My world opened up a great deal. And that was the thrilling thing for me.
1: And I think people who, with anything, who are being authentically themselves, which is not as common as it should be by a long stretch they're like magnets that energy is so seductive mm-hmm. especially once you start to feel it in yourself it's kind of impossible to go back oh definitely yeah you, you can't go back no you can't go back i mean all you can do
0: is continue to move forward in your life you know mm-hmm. i'm i like to pride myself in treating people the way i want to be treated and being kind and and loving and caring and coming from that place all of the time That has always been important to me, and that's how my parents, how they raised us.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really nice. Did you ever work for Disney again? I did.
0: I continued to work for them. I worked for them off and on for, like, 10 years.
1: Because that's how you got to Tokyo, too. What kind of stuff were you doing in those shows? Like, you were singing, I'm guessing.
0: Yes, I was singing and dancing. Um, For a long while there, Sam Wright, who's the original voice of Sebastian.
1: Oh, from Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid.
0: Yeah. So I got to do a lot of those tours. So they had me come to Vegas once when Sam was actually going to be there, just in case something happened that I could come in and sing the song. Uh And so nothing ended up happening, but they ended up just putting me in the show as one of the dancers, singers in the show. And then whenever Disney was releasing something on video, Mm -hmm. they would hire a small group of us and, and ship us off. You know, we'd go away for a couple of weeks and come back home. We'd learn learn a show, take it on the road for a couple of weeks in Europe, and and come back home. Just
1: plug the movie, hey?
0: Yeah, I was always doing the Sebastian stuff, so I was the Sebastian go-to guy for a very
1: long time. Oh, my God, that's so fun. Yeah. I mean- under the sea of course one Sing of the, under greatest the songs also little yeah. mermaid definitely helped make me queer because and it was like some daddy issues with king triton i think <laughs> <laughs> i mean he was always shirtless
0: that's amazing yeah he's always shirtless he's always shirtless. i'm
1: powerless <laughs>
0: <What? Yeah. laughs> and just beautiful and it's a cartoon people
1: and i would take for the record i would take king triton over prince eric any day of the week
0: any day of the week because triton was a man (laughs) he was a a man and like because i'm Mm 6'1 um and i'm a big guy you like someone that can lift you (laughs) that can make you feel a little petite yeah yeah Yeah.
1: prince eric was a he was like a timothy chalamet kind of vibe (laughs) too tiny But yeah, King Triton, I mean, I don't know, I, there was nothing like to scale, so I don't know how big he actually was, but yeah. seven feet plus?
0: Yeah, he was, he was he's, he's got to be, yeah, he's definitely taller than me and I'm one. so that's exciting. D-
1: any Disney aficionados, if you're listening and you know King Triton's actual height, please uh, email, you made me cry. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And The Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney film. Is it? Oh yeah, 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 It's. it was always my favorite Disney film, so getting an opportunity to actually sing those
1: songs
0: you know and be a part of that show yes was great yeah and i got an opportunity to actually do the musical
1: that's right because they did a musical that was on broadway for a while yeah yeah amazing yeah but i did i did a regional production of it
0: and had a ball, had a blast, so great.
1: I haven't seen How do they make them swim on stage?
0: Um, There's all kinds of, it's all smoke and mirrors, basically. You know, um, I don't want to give away all their tricks, but.
1: Are there rollerblades involved?
0: In my production, there were no rollerblades. Yeah, they didn't have them, they didn't have them. But on Broadway, they did have them. All right. And it's all lighting and, you know, materials flying around. Yes, yes. To give you the illusion that there's water and there's waves.
1: Some fluttering satin or streamers or something.
0: Exactly, oh. exactly.
1: And you might not be surprised at all that a lot of people have already told me so far that Disney or some subsidiary of Disney helped to make them queer.
0: Oh, I I don't doubt it. There were a lot of us there yeah, when I worked there. Yeah, there was a lot of us there. Yeah, no doubt. You know, like some of the times I always like to say, ooh... Walt, Walt Disney's probably rotisserie in his grave right now with us backstage. <laughs> the shenanigans that were going on. I
1: know. He's like, this is <laughs> yes. not what I meant by this. This was not for gay people.
0: Well, it was a pretty magical place, I'm telling you. No matter <laughs> what. It was so great.
1: Okay, <laughs> is there anyone else you want to blame, or is it Disney Europe and a bit British Airways? Yeah, that's
0: I think that's I think that's a good
1: amount of people. Yeah. Because that's, that's like true. that's that's <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's the population of Europe? Yes, exactly. <laughs> all of you. You gotta draw the line somewhere. And the the smell of French
0: fries and mayonnaise in oh, Belgium. You know, it's yes. just like, oh my God, what are you doing to oh, me? Yes,
1: those baguettes, those crepes, all that hot butter. Beautiful blue eyed blondes, <laughs> amazing. Here, here. Okay, so before we let you go, would you like to play a game? I would love to play a game. Oh, thank God. Okay, this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerest. Queer, Queerer. The rules are very simple. I'm going to give you three things. You need to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Any questions? No. Great. Okay. First thing, Rubik's Cubes. Second thing, tiny magazines like TV Guide or Reader's Digest. Mm -hmm. Third thing, montage sequences in theater or film, like when a character grows up or trains for some kind of event, go shopping, something like that. Okay. So just to recap, Rubik's Cubes tiny magazines montage sequences least queer to most queer and why least queer i would
0: say the rubik's cube okay because you know it's it's smart it's helping you with your memory you know getting your colors in shape and you know i like i like little intricate things like that and, and passing the time with, with with trying to get all of that organized.
1: So it's just about smarts. There's nothing queer about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Knowledge is power. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Knowledge is power and it belongs to everyone. E-
0: everybody. Um, I would probably say the montages are second. I actually like montages. Sometimes they go on too long. <sighs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, Sometimes. yeah. Sometimes you see too much. Oh, okay. like I, 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 I'm thinking, like even if it's a like a movie trailer, sometimes they just go, they go on too long. Like okay, you've given okay. me all of the information. Okay, I don't need to see the movie now. Oh, I
1: see.
0: And queerest would be the tiny magazines. And why? Well, first of all, my husband loves magazines. He's obsessed with them. Really? And they're all they're all over.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tiny I mean, or were
0: standard size? No, they're they're standard size. Okay. Now I remember the smaller magazines. Like why? Why? Like <laughs> literally, like why? A, like now as an older person mm. who has to wear glasses and contact lenses.
1: Both uh, at the same time? Oh no, no,
0: no, no. Okay, separately. Okay. I'm glad you <laughs> clarified
1: that. Oh my Thank gosh. You. Okay. <laughs> He's really blind. And then put these binoculars <laughs> okay. in front of the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
0: That's good. No, so, I um so tiny
1: magazines um, would be too small. And now,
0: today, because the font is ridiculous, you know? Like, how far away do I need to hold it, away from my face to be able to try and see it, or how close do I need to, to
1: hold it? So now you got that large print. You know I do.
0: I'm telling you, <laughs> if you ever send me a text message, I'm gonna be able to see it without my glasses, because <laughs> it's so big. So you were just saying
1: <laughs> magazines, because your husband loves magazines, your husband is gay, therefore, magazines queerest. Yeah, they're the queerest, yeah. I buy it, I've, n- I've no They're mates. the queerest, yeah. Let me just check your responses. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, congratulations, <laughs> 100%, you're correct. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, Bernard, before I say goodbye, anything you I, want to plug? I,
0: I'm i going to be doing... I'm working on a series, a show called Joyland. Mm-hmm. And I play a character called um, Elijah X, who is a minister. Mm-hmm. Sort of an... I would say a la, you know, Malcolm X. It's a great fun show and then in june i'm doing a virtual reading of a show called two henrys Mm. and that's with third avenue playhouse
1: okay so people can google joyland and then two henrys third avenue playhouse yes correct are you in any of the socials any ats you want to draw um i am on
0: instagram um at bernard dot dot so that's two d's Mm b-e-r-n-a-r-d-d-o-t and i'm also um
1: on Facebook just creep them send slide into yeah, those just, DMs people come on get to know me so I can get to know you yeah but not too much because he's married yeah, yeah, yeah I am married <laughs> let's open some more doors for everyone let's open doors Disney yeah. get this fella back on one of those Florida tours <laughs> right give the vacation right. he needs and deserves right. absolutely yeah thank you for that thank you so much Bernard I had a great time talking to oh you oh my god I'm so
0: happy to be here thank you so much I appreciate it thanks for having me
1: my pleasure and also I want to let you know I was already pretty queer when this conversation Started, but you, Bernard, have made me even queerer. <laughs> I'm proud of myself, and I'm proud of you too. <laughs> As you should be. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you. That is our show. You may have heard a bit of a new theme for Queer, Queerer, Queerest in the program. That is, of course, by the Chanteuse, the official Chanteuse of You Made Me Queer critty you can find more of her music at LavenderBruisers.bandcamp.com. you may have also seen if you follow us on instagram or twitter that you made me queer has started a youtube channel called you made me queer tv our first show is debuting in may it is called this week made me queer and it's a hot take weekly recap of just the most delicious queer news hosted by me. Who else, please? Think Weekend Update meets Pee-wee's Playhouse meets Cable Access Television at 2am. Ugh, more on that in a few weeks. Anyway, as always, you can contact us at youmademequeer at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. As Bernard says, get to know me so I can get to know you. How freaking delicious. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so that we can... Uh, Take over the world and become your new kind and gracious leaders. And that's it for this week. More You Made Me Queer next Thursday. But for now... Q credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more of her music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram handle is at youmademequeer. That's also our Twitter handle. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent broken heart it's not broken i'm fine thank you for listening until next time remember we're here we're queer and it's your fault
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office